Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 82. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Melanie Hargis, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride. I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis, and... I could have sworn right there you looked up as if you've forgotten my name. And I'm your husband. And it's written down right there, <laughs> and it's, too. And it's written in print. <laughs> oh, you my never goodness. Know. Well, I was <laughs> going to remind you of oh. what we had done previously. Cool. I I vaguely remember that. I, yes. Well, we're doing the series, yep. Nothing But the Basics. Yep. And we were working on control of forward motion. Yep. And we... Kind of did directional speed control, but it was a little bit long, so we cut it off and we did. We're going to do two parts, right? I think that's yes. what we decided. We're going to, we're going to, so last time you're right, we talked about, um, you know, starting back with the basics. So we mm-hmm. already covered the path of least mm-hmm. resistance, mm-hmm. forward motion, control of forward motion, the stopping of forward motion is the whole kit and caboodle. Yes. And today we're still on part two of the directional control. Yes. Yeah. So in other words, part two is going to be the directional control of the control, control of forward, forward motion. motion. Now, man, if that didn't sound confusing enough to people, <laughs> basically this body, it sums it up as this. And I swear to God, I, I think I've done this so many times I could do it in my sleep. I preach this to my students constantly. Um, everybody that ever comes to the ranch, every time I go to a horse expo, every time we do to go to a clinic, what do we talk about? The basics. basics. And there's a reason for that. And I, again, I hate to sound so redundant, but... Every time we have a problem in any situation, the way to fix and repair that problem is to go back to the basics. Find out where the horse is lacking his understanding and go back to that. So we literally go all the way back to the, the very fundamentals, making sure the horse understands and seeks out the path of least resistance. And then secondly, once we have the horse where he's figuring that out, and quite frankly, he can even do that multitasking thing, because while he's figuring that out, he can also be figuring out our idea of forward motion and the mm-hmm. introduction of forward motion. And then as we're doing that, we're going to work on what we talked about in the previous episode, which was the control of forward motion through speed control. Mm-hmm. And during that episode, just to kind of recap, we talked a little bit about at the speed control. Why is the horse moving forward? Because we're creating a rhythm and a, and a, and a, a kind of a cadence for him, so to speak all in the concept of establishing a working relationship. What is the distance between you and your horse? And, of course, where that distance is related to in regard to the round pin if you're doing such. So forward motion, control of forward motion, and within the control of forward motion, the speed control. That's very, very important. Okay, but if you're – now, you just said that uh, you do it in relationship to the round pin or whatever – People will take that somewhat literally. What if you're in a pasture? I mean. We better have big, comfortable boots. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't like that answer. <laughs> well, people, actually, that is a good question. People ask me sometimes, well, what if you're catching a horse for the first time and he's out in the big wide open area mm-hmm. and there's, there's so many acres for this horse to run? Sadly, what's the horse's first instinct is to get away from pressure. And if he perceives you as such, he's going to move away from that. Right. Which means the only way to put more pressure on the horse is you've got to gain ground on him. So if he's out in that scenario, things change. It's a much, much larger round pen, isn't it? Okay. In other words, it's the same exact principles are going to apply, but you've got to understand it's probably the results are going to take much longer to reveal themselves. And why? Because you're in a much bigger area. So by the time that the horse gets away from you, there's a little reward for him. He got away from you. Therefore, you're going to have to be really persistent in gaining ground on the horse again and restarting that same thing. But what about a more realistic deal? What it maybe a smaller pen or anything for that matter? For mm-hmm. the reality, though, is at this stage of the game, we're actually talking about training the horse, and hopefully we've got him in a round pen. Okay. However, maybe a better question would have been, well, what if you don't have a round pin? You just got him on the end of a long lunge line. Right. The exact same thing applies. Forward motion. And now that he's going forward at the end of that lunge line, the end of the lunge line becomes the wall of your round pin. Okay. He can't get away from that lead rope unless, of course, he's dragging you. And let's just hope that doesn't happen. I would hope um, not. But at the same time, whatever tool you're using, whether it be a, a lead rope or a round pin, we want to make sure that we're working on that forward motion. But I'm going to go back to the round pin because we're going to talk about something to today is to some going to be a little bit controversial. Several years ago, and several, several years ago, there were a lot of trainers that were want to be clinicians, and I say that with all due respect, but basically they make their money selling their stuff. They make their money selling you know, their videos, DVDs, whatever the case may be at that day and time. And a lot of them um, worked a lot on people's emotions. Did they do a good job training the horses? Absolutely. They did a wonderful job. But horses don't buy DVDs and don't buy videos. So to get the people to buy the DVDs and the videos, they had to create what looked like an awe moment. Like, oh, wasn't that sweet? Looky there, that horse just loves him so much. You're talking about the hooking up. The hooking up or the joining up, whatever term we want to put on it, Mm -hmm. because it really looks cool when we're working on forward motion and we stop our feet and the horse stops and they come trotting into us and as if they want to get in our back pocket And we think, wow, that looks so good. My goodness, could you imagine how how easy this horse is going to be to catch if he's literally walking up to us? Isn't that better than that quote-unquote hard-to-catch horse that we have to go out and chase in the pasture? Well, of course, by comparison to that, that's much better. Right. But I'm not so lazy that if I walk out to catch a horse and we can just train it to stop, I'm not too lazy to walk out to where he is. Right. Do I want him to run away from me? Absolutely not. I don't want him to run away from me. And if he does, that's going to cost him something. That's going to cost him more forward motion. As we're working on the forward motion, he's consuming energy and consuming calories, right? So that's the whole concept behind that. Therefore, when I'm working a colt in the round pen, do I want him to hook up to me? Do I want him to join up to me? Do I want him to come up to me? Absolutely. But you know, out of all these years, and I almost afraid to say how many cults it's been, but it's been a bunch. I mean, literally thousands, you know. Of course, keep in mind, folks, I've been doing this since I was 12, and and I'm the first one to say when I was 12 and I very first started riding riding horses for the public, 
I had no idea what I was doing. I was just an ambitious, hardworking young kid that, that would just appreciate any business anybody would bring me. And, um, and I started at that age, and over the years, I just never quit. You know, there was some moments in there where I didn't ride as many because I was going to college, and I kind of had to make a choice, horses or football. Well, football paid the bills, so I had to, I had to go yes. and play football. Um, I jokingly tell everybody I went to college the hard way. I played football. <laughs> Looking back now, I think it had just been easier to go get a part-time job and pay it just, instead no. of getting the scholarship. But I mean, you loved your college days. Oh, and I loved it. I loved the day and time. You're right. But the thing is, when we in the round pen, when I'm working that horse, do I want the horse to join up to me? Do I want him to hook on to me? And honestly, out of all those thousands of horses, I've never not had that happen. Mm-hmm. It's always happened without me having to focus on it and make that a priority. Now, to some, it's a priority. They think that if I get this horse to hook on, get him to join up, well, I've got him. I can do everything else with him. Good, except for ride him. <laughs> right? Well, that's So a my problem. whole point about the round pen and the groundwork, I've got this love-hating relationship with it. Um, love it because you've got to have it. It establishes the foundation, the basics for everything that we're going to be doing. I hate it because I would rather ride them. Right. But I also understand that without that groundwork, without that foundation, it makes the riding of them incredibly risky, both for us as well as the horse. So the groundwork, whatever time we spend on it, is it pays back in huge dividends. So it's very, very important. But I take it to the nth degree. Imagine that. I know. So whenever I'm working with that horse, I'm working on those basic things we're talking about, the forward motion, uh, the control of forward motion. And as we talked about in the previous episode, the speed control of forward motion. So we're working right. on transitions upward, trans, excuse me, transitions downward, all in that balance of a working relationship that we've established. And again, we, we talked about that in the previous episode. That would be episode 81. Yes. Here in episode 82, though, we're going to talk about that directional control. Most people, when they're starting that colt under saddle or they're just starting that round pen groundwork, when they're asking the horse to turn and they're going to ask for a change of direction for the horse to turn to go the other way, Mm -hmm. they want the horse to turn and face them. Okay. And eventually they're looking for that moment in time where the horse is going to turn and face them and hook on or join up. Okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with that except for the reason I don't like to turn a horse in toward me in the beginning is because when I'm riding, I'm never going to be in front of him, am I? No. When I'm riding that horse, I'm always going to be behind that horse. Okay. So I want to establish what I refer to as an eye-to-eye transition, meaning I want this horse to be very comfortable in seeing me in his left eye if we're working him around the round pen to the left. But when we ask the horse to turn to the right, I want to turn him away from that. A lot of reasons. It reinforces taking the path of least resistance because I'm pushing the horse's eye away from me. Out of your space. Right. He's pushing, I'm pushing on that eye to get it out of my space. He's going to turn outside away from me, expose his hindquarter to me for a split moment in time. Mm -hmm. He's going to let go of me with his left eye and then rediscover me in his right eye. Okay. When that happens, that's that moment in time is what we call an eye to eye transition. Left eye to right eye transition. Why is that so important? 
Because again, when we get on our horses for the first time, where do most of us get on? On the left side. Yes. So which eye is this horse seeing you on? Left side. His left eye. Mm -hmm. When you get on him, probably his his head is still going to be slightly tilted to the left. So he still sees you in the left eye. Mm -hmm. We're up there and we're petting on him. We're loving on him. We're letting him know that we're on his back and we mean him no harm. Ah, the horse takes a big, deep breath, relaxes just a little, and he sees you in the right eye, and it scares the snot out of him. And I've seen so many kids in the past get bucked off and get hurt right at that moment because they get kind of caught up in what I refer to as a grab-ass contest. The horse flinches, and then they flinch. And what does the rider The rider flinches. Mm-hmm. Then the horse flinches again. Then the rider flinches again. Before you know it, it's all gotten chaotic. It's a train wreck. Right, it's a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning, I do a tremendous number of outside turns where the horse is turning to the outside. Number one, we're reinforcing a lesson to him that the horse has already learned. We're putting pressure on his eye. He's learning to keep that working relationship with us, getting courageous enough to let that eye let go of us for a moment mm-hmm. and then rediscover us in the other eye. And in the beginning, when you do that, that horse is going to be a little bit surprised. Oh my goodness, you're on the left. How'd you get on that right side? And it startles them. Understandably so, because mm-hmm. if we know a lot about horses, we know that they perceive things so differently in one eye versus the other. Horses are unique in the sense they have both monocular vision as well as binocular vision. When mm-hmm. they can focus on something just as good as all get out with that one eye. And then that moment in time where we disappear, they're going to pick us up on the other eye, which is monocular. Right. A horse very rarely sees us in both, in both eyes unless we're standing directly in front of them. Mm-hmm. So we want to spend a tremendous amount of time teaching the horse the comfort and the trust of seeing us in one eye, letting go, and then rediscover us in the other eye. Because when we're riding them, that's where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean I'm against inside turns? Not at all. But I, in the beginning, I'm going to work on smooth, quiet, outside turns to get the horse where he's okay with letting me push that eye away from me and then rediscover me in that mm-hmm. other eye. By doing so, I'm thinking way ahead and I'm getting the horse better prepared for when we step up on their back and we ride them mm-hmm. from behind. Okay. You see? So that they don't have that fear. Right. We just don't want that fear of them losing confidence in that eye-to-eye transition. We want okay. to be so incredibly confident in that. We also want to have them to be very respectful of that eye. If I, if I step toward it, I want them to yield that eye away from me very quietly. I don't want to be fearful about it. I don't want to be too abrupt about it. I just want to literally gra- act like I'm going to poke them in that left eye and then have them yield that eye away from me very respectfully turn the other direction, and now I'm still behind the driveline, so now we can encourage the horse to move off to, to, the the, right. to the opposite direction, in this case, to the right. Okay. Okay, so that's so important to me to have those horses do that. Most people, they'll, they'll come up with questions like this. Well, I never want a horse to put their butt toward me. Well, I don't either unless I ask them to. Right. You see, there's the big difference in that. I'm, I'm actually asking the horse to turn his head away from me, which in turn is going to leave his hindquarter to me. The minute he's got his hindquarter to me, we're driving him away the other right. direction. He's never gaining space. Right. Yeah, we're, yeah he's never gaining space Between you me, and him. Right? Mm-hmm. In other words, we're reestablishing and reaffirming that working relationship. And I cannot okay. emphasize to people how important that is. That distance between us and that horse is going to be that working relationship. Now, 
when the time comes, let's talk a little bit not only about that horse turning to the inside. Okay. Now, here's why I don't like horses doing inside turns without me asking them to or without me allowing them to. Imagine, if you will, that if you're in the middle of the round pen and you're asking the horse to move around the round pen and you're in the middle, and let's just say that the distance between your belly button and this horse's left eye is, say, 20 feet. Okay. And if that horse, if you're still standing in the middle and you do not move away from the horse and the horse turns toward you, let's just say his butt's still up against the rail. But he's reduced that area. Yeah, how much closer now is that mm-hmm. horse's face to you? He's gained that, about three feet of... Oh, at least three, maybe mm-hmm. eight feet. Now, is that okay? Well, no. Well, no. I mean, it depends. Because he's <laughs> violated your space, hasn't he? He's come into your space without you yielding any distance back away from him. So he's violated that working relationship. Okay. He's come into your space. To some people, oh, that's no big deal. I want him to come into my space. I want him to, too, when I invite him. Right. I don't want somebody to come and knock on my door and then immediately just walk in the door as if that's okay. I do that at my mom's house all the time. Yes, but that's your mom's (laughs) house, and you violated her space. So what we want to do is we want to tell the horse that it's okay if we want them to come in. Right. I want the horse to stop squarely on the rail and look at me, and it's almost as if he's asking, can I come in? Mm-hmm. And if he does that nice and quietly, now I'm going to back up a few steps and draw that horse's nose toward me. And as a result, the distance between my belly button and that horse's face is the same. the same. So now he's respected that working relationship. Okay. If I take another half a step back and the horse starts walking toward me and I want him to continue to walk toward me, here's a simple little trick. I'm going to step away from him slower than he's walking toward me, and my body language is telling the horse that I'm inviting him to come in there. In other words, my spirit and intent has changed. Right. If the minute I want to turn and look at the horse and block him from coming into me, I simply just look less inviting, and the horse needs to, again, respect that space. So it's very, very important for us to establish that working relationship and always maintain that respect. Now, there's going to be tons of times, and again, I've never seen it not happen, that when my body language changes and softens, and I pretty much give the horse kind of the okay sign, saying that it's okay for him to come in toward me, Mm -hmm. I've never had it not happen. I've always had those horses want Want to to come in. Mm -hmm. And there's not a greater feeling in the world to know that this horse that you've established this very good, very trusting, working relationship with also trust you enough that he wants to be a part of your space. The question is, did you invite him into it? Never, and I do mean never, do I think it's okay for us to allow that horse to come into our space without our permission. It could be dangerous. It could be very dangerous. And we've also got to ask, what signal do we send this horse to tell him that it was okay? Mm -hmm. Now, we know, too, that the horse industry now has grown exponentially in the number of women that are in the horse industry. Right. All right. This is going to be a really touchy subject for some people. Mm-hmm. How many women's space, and we're not going to go into great detail here, but just think about how we're wording this very delicately. How many women's space has been violated by somebody right. that you do not want in your space? Oh, several, and probably all women have 
you know, had one or more episodes or situations that was uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, you know, we got lots of girls in our family, right? Yes, I we raised do. two, you raised one, and we got lots of, mm-hmm. well, we got girl grandkids, grandkids. and another grand girl, uh, grandkid, girl on grandkid the way. coming in the, on the way in a few so, weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know a little bit about working with women because that makes up 90% of our horse industry. We know a little mm-hmm. bit about working with girls. Yes. Probably, I mean, wouldn't you say probably 90% of my students are girls as well? So we've learned a lot how to work with and empower girls and women. One of the things that I try to teach them about this working relationship with their horses, we all want to have this very important, I want to be with you type relationship with our horses. We want that. But we have to realize, and I've said this billions of times since I've, not maybe billions, lots and lots of times since I've been training (laughs) horses. And... It's that horsemanship is an opportunity to practice humanship. Yes. I don't think a woman should ever allow an animal, a human being, or anybody to come into your space without your full permission. Exactly. And if this horse loves you so much, but doesn't respect your space, this horse could hurt you. Yes. Oh, horses are big, you know, on the average 1,000, 1,200 pounds. And when they want to come and jump in your lap like the little poodle wanting to be a lap dog, there's a big difference between a dog jumping in your lap mm-hmm. and this horse thinking it's okay to mm-hmm. come into your lap and violate your space. And I do believe that some women with that nurturing attitude kind of let that happen. They think it's, you know, oh, he loves me. Oh, we think it's me. cute. Oh, looky there, the horse loves me mm-hmm. and he wants to be a part of me and I, mm-hmm. I want so desperately to be a part of him. And again, I'm going to go back to being a dad here. There's lots of guys out there that come across very charming to those young women, and those young women love the fact that this guy that they kind of like maybe kind of wants to come into their space, and sometimes that looks kind of charming mm-hmm. until you need to stand your ground and say, no, no, a little bit too much yeah. coming into my space there. This is my space. Right. You can back up. And sometimes it's difficult to retrain that human or that horse to respect that. So as a result... We want to stand strong on where that space is and never allow somebody or an animal to come into that space without our permission. Uh, Again, I've said it, that horsemanship is an opportunity to practice, here's the key word, practice humanship. Mm -hmm. So that's a great thing for us to keep in mind with humans, and it's a great, great thing for us to keep in mind with horses. And it's a great place to practice it. Does that mean I'm being too stern on that horse, not to let him come into my space? Not at all. No. just means that I'm protecting my space. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your space, horse, but please respect my space. Right. That is what a relationship is all about. It's not taking one or the other for granted. It's not saying that it's okay for this person. Just because it's, oh, I'm this horse's person, that it's okay for this horse to come in that space. Right. So why do I work so much on the outside turns and not so much on the inside turns? Because I want to prepare the horse for the eye-to-eye transition that's going to take place when I'm on his back and I'm sitting in the saddle behind him. Mm -hmm. And I want to teach the horse to look at me with one eye, respectfully let go of me that eye, and change directions and go the other way and find me again in that other eye. Without fear. Without fear, without overdue concern. Mm -hmm. At the same time... 
Am I against inside turns? Not at all. I love to do the inside turns, but only if the horse recognizes that I'm inviting him to come in, number one, and I'm creating a distance in which he can come in. As Maintaining he, the space. Right. As, I, as he turns in, I'm going to yield back my body and allowing his body to turn in toward me. And as a, result, if I, as a result, if I want him to turn the other direction, I simply step toward the opposite eye and have the horse go the other way. But you see, again, we're still working on that respected space. Right. I yield back, allowing him to turn inside, and then I step toward him, driving his eye away from me going the other direction, even if it's, you know, facing me. Right. He turns, sees me, sees me in both eyes. There's your binocular vision. And then we're going to step toward the opposite eye that we want him to go. Meaning if, he, if we want him to go to the right, we're going to step toward his left eye now that he's facing us. Mm-hmm. And the horse is going to yield back and go the, the opposite, opposite direction. direction. Okay. And then we'll position ourselves behind the driveline and, and away we go the other direction. So we love to have that directional control with inside and outside turns. But in all honesty, I spend a great deal more time on the outside turns so I can better prepare the horse for what's going to take place in the future, which is me being on their back and riding them from that position. I'm behind them, and I'm focusing on left eye to right eye transition or right eye to left left eye transition. That what do you makes, think, Miss Melanie? I think that makes perfect sense. Well, I think so too. And, uh, <laughs> and it's worked great for me over the years. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go to Road to the Horse twice, you know, and I didn't literally start hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cults for the, for the reigning and the cult starting or uh, reigning in the cutting industry um, without that knowledge and experience that mm-hmm. other people as well as thousands of horses have taught me. So um, I do think it's something that really works. But I don't want people to think that I'm against the inside turns. I really think that it is as long as that horse can do that inside turn and very respectfully respect that space. It's so important that that space is important. Um, I'm always asking my students that what's the difference between good horses and great horses, good horsemen and great horsemen. And then I'll ask them again, what do you want to be? You want to train average horses and good horses? Do you want to train great horses? Do you want to be a good horseman or a great horseman? But the difference is in the details. If I allow that horse to come in and do an inside turn and gain ground toward me, I'm telling him that it's okay to violate my space and I'm not worthy of his respect. Right. Does it mean that I'm mean if I ask the horse to move out of my space? Absolutely not. It just means I'm protecting my space. The thing is, I've never known really good dogs. I've never known really good horses that feared their owners when respect was paramount. There's such Mm -hmm. a big difference between fear and trying to train a horse or train a dog with fear versus train a dog or train a horse with respect. Respect. And the difference is in order for this horse to respect me, I've also got to respect that horse. I respect that horse's space. I never go into it without their permission. They may not necessarily want me there, but I won't take that extra step toward them until I pause and that horse is okay for me to be at that spot. And if he's okay with that spot, I'll ask quietly if it's okay for me to go a little closer until eventually He's inadvertently given me permission to touch him. Mm-hmm. And what do we do to reward him? We leave. Take up pressure. So we never violate their space without their permission. And the same goes for us. We want them to show us that same respect. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that those horses want to get close to us. Right. 
I really do. There's nothing that honors me more when this horse wants to get closer to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does make me feel good inside when this horse really wants to be there when he doesn't have to be. He's got a choice to be on the other side of that round pen, or he's got a choice to be someplace else, and he chooses to be there. But it's my space, and there's rules that come with that. And the rules are you can be here as long as you're invited, res- invited and respectful. Mm-hmm. If either of those two aren't there, the horse hasn't earned the right to be next to you. And I think that's very, very key, very, very important. Hmm. So that in a nutshell. (laughs) Excuse me. Yes, ma'am. That in a nutshell is our control of forward motion. Directional control. That's all of it. Yep. So we talked about in the episode number one of forward motion, we talked about. Path of least resistance. No, in the. Of forward motion, oh, of forward we talked motion. about um, speed control, mm-hmm. and in this episode, we talked a lot about, of course, directional, directional control. So, in the control of forward motion, those two are so keenly important: our speed control and our directional control. Mm-hmm. Now, a question that we think about a lot when working on all of those is, and I always ask people this: so, how do horses learn? Um, and and more, more times than not, when I ask that question, people will say repetition, repetition, repetition. And I agree to that to a certain point. Mm-hmm. But how horses learn is always by the release of pressure, pressure, either implied or applied pressure. So when we're working on forward motion, control of forward motion, we're, we're also reemphasizing that respect, if you will, of the pressure and release. Mm-hmm. Now, we brought up that issue about the repetition. Do I right. think that's important? Absolutely. But if it takes a thousand repetitions, nobody says we got to run that horse around the round pen a thousand times today. Right. We may run him a thousand times in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. The minute that horse does anything consistent, we want to take the pressure off of that horse at that moment in time because they learn from what? They learn from the release of pressure. If we're asking that horse to walk, trot, or lope a circle to the left, that's pressure to that horse. Right. Therefore, if he does that walk, trot, or lope correctly in the right direction, the right speed control that we're asking for, and he's looking quiet, he's looking relaxed, the moment he puts all those pieces of the puzzle together, how does he know if he's done it correctly? Not until you le- let Release the pressure and let him stop. Absolutely. When we release that pressure, we pull that pressure off of him. At that point in time, he says, wow, I don't mm-hmm. know what I did, but whatever it was, it must have been good because I the pressure's gone and mm-hmm. I got to stop or whatever. So the pressure went away. So the repetition is important. But it should be minimal. It's got to, We've got to understand that that repetition is only good if the horse understands what he's doing. Mm-hmm. If he's running around that round pen, he's already been correct. 50 times and he's still running around the round pen before you know it, the horse is going to start making mistakes because he's going to start doubting himself and he's going to start doubting the teacher. Right. So do horses learn by repetition? Yes, but their foundation way of learning is through that release of pressure. So when we're working those horses in the round pen and we're working on those fundamental basics, the forward motion, the control of forward motion, the stopping of forward motion, we've got to realize that when the horse does it correct, take the pressure off of them at that moment okay okay so let's just hope that these folks really get something from these 
these last few episodes mm-hmm. that because to me they are the foundation for everything that we do both on the ground and in the saddle it's so incredibly important that we uh, that we get that done okie dokie so what are we talking about next time I don't know yet. I uh... the stopping of forward motion. Oh, so we're going to be talking about the <laughs> the stopping of forward motion. So we've already talked about um, the path of least resistance, forward motion, control of forward motion, and, and then stopping. next week we're going to be talking about the stopping of forward motion. Okay. I get this question a lot: Is that how important do I think stops are? Again, keep in mind that I've trained a I boatload of reining colts, and I've trained a boatload of Cutting horses. Mm-hmm. I grew up kind of a ranch kid, so our horses were doing ranch stuff. I calf roped a lot. So stops are crazy important to me. Mm-hmm. But you can't get a good stop without, without forward, forward motion, motion first. So do I think it's very important? Absolutely. Do I think it's very, very key that we, in, in, that we include those really good, proper, and later on dynamic stops in the foundation? Absolutely. But as you can tell, that they are the last on that foundation mm-hmm. for me. I can't get a horse to get a good stop unless I got him moving forward mm-hmm. first. So we've got to focus on those things, and then we'll do the last. That's the stopping of forward motion. So next week's episode would be episode 83. We're going to be talking about stopping, stopping of forward motion. motion. Okay. Good deal. Okay. Um, I wanted to remind everybody to... Um, Make sure when you're looking at YouTube, hopefully, um, that you are subscribing. That helps to get us a better ranking so that everybody can find us. Um, also, we do have, and I know um, everybody's kind of uh, anxious to get out. You know, everybody's been stuck in their houses for a little while. Um, we do have a, a clinic coming up in Tryon, Oklahoma, uh, the weekend of June 27th. Um, so please, if you are in the area or can be in the area, get up on the website. Uh, auditing spots are still available, and we've got some clinic writing spots available. Um, also, we would love for anybody to come down here to the ranch. If you've been stuck in your house for you know, the last month or so, maybe it's time to head down to South Texas. When you consider how far we are from almost everything... Does that mean we've been social distancing? <laughs> we have from from everyone. I've never known anything different unless <laughs> you take unless you take me to town or make me get on an airplane or take me to an expo or something. And we haven't done that lately. No, we haven't. So I've been social distanced enough. I'm tired of being grounded. People come see me. <laughs> I do. I feel like I've been grounded and I've, I've not done anything bad. And oh, you didn't have to change anything to do the social distancing. <laughs> I got to go uh. hang out at the ranch and. Hang out with the horses. Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a, you know, you married an outlaw. I did. Yeah, because you know what I did the other day? What'd you do? I actually hugged somebody. (gasps) Oh my goodness. You know us Texans, we can be bad Mm -hmm. about that hugging, right? Did you have on a mask? I didn't even have on a mask. Oh my goodness. So, darn, we were, we violated (laughs) that social distancing thing. We had a guest come out to the ranch and I was so happy to see him and she just looked at me and says... Oh, the heck with that social distancing. And gave us one of those great old big South Texas hugs that we all like. And I'm like, man, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Outside of you, that's probably the last uh, first hug I've had and I don't know how long. <laughs> man, it's been good to, hmm. to, to get these hugs here lately. And I'm ready to 
You're saying my hugs are not enough? I love your hugs. Hmm. And they, they're, yeah, you have great hugs, baby. I love your hugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just good to like get back to pressing palms and, well, and hugging people. I agree. I, and because I think of that, to... i got to tell you, if you come to the ranch, we're social distance enough, come on out. And if you don't want me to hug you, I won't hug you. But darn, it sure would be good to have folks come out and ride with us, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Snowy? Absolutely. Please send me an email, uh, info at vanhargis.com. I would love to get you guys out here to the ranch. We do anywhere from two days to two months. You know, we can pretty much set up anything. Unless they want to be an intern, they can stay for three months or longer. That's true. Yep. We are now able to do interns again, which I'm very excited about. It's not that we really probably couldn't before. It's just that out of respect for everything, we just said, let's just kind of take a back seat to it too. But, um, you know, we've got a few interns in now, and we've got tons of room for more. So we're excited about having that invitation open again. So if anybody's interested in the Van Hargis Horsemanship Intern Program, which is really, quite honestly, it's more like a trade school. It's not for the weak-minded. It's not for somebody that doesn't want to work. And um, like today was a perfect example. We got started about 9 o'clock today. And I think I pressed on those girls probably for probably six or eight hours of instruction today. Right. And it's that way almost every day we talk about or we work with our horses uh, and multiple horses at that and horses at different level of training. We've uh, Right now we don't have any babies here, but we work with everything from two, three, four-year-olds up horses in different mm-hmm. level of their performance, as well as we'll work with some horses that are kind of being quote-unquote rehabilitated, meaning mm-hmm. either they've not been trained well or maybe they've forgotten their training to a certain degree. And we kind of get those horses reminded of what the basics are all about and then moving them forward toward the discipline of the owner's choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And those students get an opportunity to work with those horses at those levels. We do the evaluations. We come up with game plans to get those horses going. So our students really learn a lot. It's not a typical intern program. They just kind of go and saddle horses for everybody. They're freaking working. Every day. And they're riding horses, and they're really getting an education as to what all the horse industry is about um, and what training horses is about. So if you guys know of any prospects that would really like to be a part of our intern program, we would love to have the students Mm -hmm. and uh, like to introduce them to our program. We welcome Mm -hmm. guests and people that are interested in that program to come out and visit with us, spend a day or two, visit with the girls, visit who's ever in our intern program. Ask as uh, many questions as you want. And ask as many questions as you like. Mm -hmm. Of both me and the interns. We Absolutely. welcome that. Okay. So well, what else, Ms. Melanie? Um, that's it for now. Until next week. That's it? That's right, it. We have to. I do want to give a shout out to some of our sponsors, oh, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Because um, <laughs> I, you know, I honestly could not do what I do if it weren't for people like Rainsman Equestrian Products. You know, they make all of my stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they make my, all of my strap goods. They make my saddles. I don't say this often enough. I challenge anybody to come down to the ranch and visit us here, and we'll take a little short drive over to Yoakum, Texas, and visit the great folks of Rainsman. And I challenge any of you that if you've ever been in any saddle shop to see a saddle shop that puts together as many experienced craftsmen as they do, they combine that experienced craftsmanship with unbelievable workmanship and technology that will absolutely blow your mind. And as a result of all those things, I will challenge any saddle company out there to beat their quality. 
their quality in the technology, their quality in the workmanship, their quality in the leather that they put together, and the end result saddle that you walk out of that store with, in my opinion, is the absolute best one in the industry. Absolutely. Uh, and I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen a lot of different saddle ma- makers. I've seen very few that work good, but Rainsman is great. And I'm so Absolutely. proud to be a part of their program, and we have been for years. And uh, and they do an exceptional job on my personal saddles, mm-hmm. but they also make other saddles too. You know, rains, uh, rain, uh, raining saddles, cutting saddles, roping saddles, barrel racing saddles, you name it. But it's just absolutely, I think, one of the better companies out there. And I'll challenge anybody to come to their facility and take a look as to uh, the quality that they do have. Okay. I agree. All right. So we'll do another shout-out to another sponsor another time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to remind you guys that we couldn't do what we do without you. So I'm very, very grateful for all of you guys. For those of you on YouTube watching, thank you so much. Don't forget to like us and subscribe. And subscribe. Um, and at the same time, for all of you regular listeners on the podcast, thank you again, because without your continued encouragement, we would have probably stopped this about a year ago. Um, things had changed a little bit. And you thought, you know what? We have a lot of people out there that want us to keep producing these. So we did everything in our power to keep going with it, and we did. So we want to remind you that until next time, remember that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride over stride. Mm-hmm.